Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. We are going to ask the question today, why are you afraid? We're uh, continuing this message series, Good News Now. And want to welcome our friends joining us online. So glad you could be with us in this way. Luke chapter 24, and we're going to be in verse 35 in, in just a moment. We're asking the question, why are you afraid? When you think about the last 19 months of absolute upheaval in your world, right? Uh, there's like no part of your life really that hasn't in some way been impacted by this pandemic. And I, I think there's very few of us that could say, I have not felt any fear at any time in any way because of this. Uh, maybe it was early on. I don't know if you remember when they said the two weeks to flatten the curve and, and they said people are going to be dying in the streets. That was scary. Maybe you've uh, sat with a loved one who's struggling. Maybe you were infected with COVID-19 and you were scared for, for your own health. Uh, maybe you're one of those that are, are grappling with uh, a decision about your job or your, your you know, life in your classroom because you've got legitimate concerns uh, about the injection and you're wondering what are you going to have to choose where where you know is your, is your livelihood at risk and so on and there's other lots of other things that have created fear for you in this time what do we do about fear uh, it seems that fear is instinctive it's involuntary you can't help it it's fight or flight right it, you just Ask the, the hairs on the back of your neck that stand up when you hear a noise down a dark hallway that's not supposed to be there. And boom, they're there and you're afraid. And, and some of you like scary movies. I don't know why, but some of you are into that because you like you almost like the feeling of being frightened, of being afraid. But the Bible commands us over and over to fear not, to be not afraid, right? To not worry about anything but to pray about everything. And yet here we have it, millions of Americans, maybe you're one of, one of the ones this very, this very morning, you, you took medication to deal with an anxiety disorder. That's very common. Uh, on July 1st, I read this on the CDC website, on July 1st of this year, they released a study that said the top uh, three, um, well, I'll read it to you, so you, I'm quoting, it says, the strongest risk factors for COVID death were obesity, Anxiety and fear-related disorders and diabetes with complication. Really, fear, the number two comorbidity, is literally killing people. It's a serious thing. We, we take it seriously, and yet the Bible addresses it and tells us to be not afraid. What do we, how do we manage this, right? Uh, as you saw in that video, after Jesus was raised to life and he appeared to his disciples, they were afraid. And that's the episode we're going to read in Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 35 to 53. And if you're able to stand with me for the reading of God's word, I invite you to do so. It says, then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. 
but the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened? He asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and, and make sure I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. In verse 41, still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. And they asked him, and he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. And then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything uh, written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That's the message. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. In verse 49, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Verse 50, then Jesus led them to Bethany, came to our church and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all their time in the temple praising God. Let's be seated together. We thank the Lord for his word. You know, I have tried to imagine myself in that room with those disciples living scared, right? You're, you know, the, we've, we've seen Jesus. We saw him on the cross or we saw the, the, the tomb, you know, we know he's dead. And then he just suddenly appears. Um, I don't know about you, but I would freak out. I, I would just be startled as they were. And Jesus speaks to them. He says, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? And I think it's obvious why they're frightened. Um, but Jesus was actually doing something more than just asking a simple question. He's peeling back the top layer as, as he needs to do for all of us. And he's going to the heart of the matter. What's really going on, guys? What's really bothering you? And so what he's doing is he's helping them develop a way to arrest fear in their life. And so there's four things we're going to look at just from this passage about arresting fear in our lives. And the first thing is this. You need to know that doubt and fear are the kind of twin wheels of unbelief. Doubt and fear are the wheels of unbelief. Jesus says, why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Fear and doubt. It, it, you know, he asks them the question. He's revealing himself. Verse 41 says, still they stood there in disbelief. He, he had to eat this snack to show them, look, guys, I'm, I can really eat stuff. I'm a, I'm a real body. All right? Fear has many forms. You know, I referenced an anxiety disorder. An anxiety disorder is complicated. I get any mental health stuff is really challenging to, to work around. But I think there's also can be a spiritual malady, a spiritual element. To that, and when fear and when doubt come together, they will drive you to unbelief. They'll cause you. Here's what happens: you lose your ability to hear the truth. Have you ever tried to explain the truth to somebody who's afraid and, and and who's filled with doubt? They just won't hear you. They cannot because that doubt and that fear have driven them to unbelief. And I know it seems inevitable and it seems involuntary and un 
you know, controllable, but as a spiritual condition, I'm talking about a spiritual element to this right now, it can be addressed. I'm going to give you three simple questions to help you diagnose the fear that you're grappling with. The first question is, what's the source? Where's the fear coming from? Who's speaking fear into your life, right? Is it a trustworthy source? Do they have an agenda? Um, you know, if, if I said, um, hey, it's going to rain today, and and anybody who goes in the rain is going to die unless they're wearing holding an umbrella. And uh, I'm the only one that sells umbrellas, by the way. But if you buy an umbrella, you're not going to die. But if you go in the rain, you're going to die. Right? That's, be, you'd be like, hey, wait a second. Uh, I got to consider the source in this situation. Um, small things get blown drastically out of proportion because fear sells. It, it makes money. Let's be honest about that. So consider the source. The second question is, what's the data? Data or data? Data? I don't know. I can never remember which it is. What's the data? Fear is irrational, right? We tend to be afraid out of proportion to the risk. So consider the, the real numbers. What's really going on? Like, okay, statistically speaking... I'm, I probably would be okay, but I wouldn't do this. You know, go for a walk at 2 a.m. in a gang neighborhood in Fresno. Right? There's a reason to be somewhat fearful, at least cautious, and probably not do that. Statistically speaking, however, going to work in a pandemic, you're going to be okay. Right? So consider the, the data. Do the research. Think for yourself. Third question is, is it biblical? Is the fear biblical? The Bible has a lot to say about the fact that our days are numbered. We're in the Lord's hands. We're in His care. He controls the outcome. We just sang it in a song. The governance of the world is on His shoulders. Philippians 4, 6 commands. Commands. Don't worry about anything. Don't be afraid. But pray about everything. Right? The Bible says don't fear what people can do to you. Have a, have a reverent fear for what God can do because He's the one who will judge. We will stand before Him in judgment. Luke 12 talks about that. So make sure you're at peace with God. Make sure your sins are forgiven, that you can stand before Him in confidence. So consider the source, look at the data, but then what's the Bible telling us about it? The disciples, I think, made a rookie mistake when Jesus showed up. What they should have done, right? They should have worshiped him. They should have gotten on their knees before him. And I think everything would have been clear and plain to them. Didn't you notice how, as we sang this morning, as we, as we worship the Lord together, didn't you sense that your faith in him is rising, that your confidence that the Lord is going to care for me. The Lord is going to meet the needs. The Lord is going to be present in my life in the days to come. That's what happens as we worship him. And I think if they had bowed and worshiped, um, they, they would have not been in fear and doubt, but here's the problem. What they what they saw, Jesus in the flesh, did not match what they believed. They believed that he was dead because the evidence was they'd seen him on the cross. They knew he was dead, dead. And so what they saw did not match what they believed to be true. Instead, they should have expressed worship, praise, gratitude, thankfulness is a powerful way to, uh, to push back fear. Begin to thank the Lord uh, for, for what he's done in your life and what he's given you already. Those practices tune out fear and doubt and they develop belief instead. So don't let fear and doubt drive you to unbelief. 
Second thing that, that we want to say about this passage here is that you want to ask God to reveal the living Jesus to you. Right now, at this point, Jesus is alive and he's in their presence. And this is really about encountering Jesus personally. Now, remember, these disciples, they'd witnessed the death of their rabbi. His successful crucifixion was you know, confirmed by expert executioners. He was laid in a tomb. The heavy stone was rolled across the entry. There's no doubt about his death. And yet here he is fully alive right in front of them, right in their presence. Now, without seeing Jesus, they might never have believed in Jesus. And so you might be tempted to say, well, how am I supposed to believe in Jesus if I can't see him with my own eyes? This is ridiculous, right? But... In another post-resurrection encounter, Jesus said to one of the disciples, a guy named Thomas, he said, you know, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's you and me. If you, if your faith is in Jesus, God says, you are blessed because you've believed without needing to physically see. Now, some get a, 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 an almost physical experience of Jesus. We heard a few weeks ago from some visiting missionaries here on Sunday morning about the dreams and visions that that people mostly in Muslim nations are experiencing. They're they're encountering Jesus in these ways. And I can affirm that I've I've heard firsthand, even just recently, firsthand from people receiving those experiences, those signs from God. People are seeing the living Jesus and they're putting their their faith in him. But but even back from that, what we need is a revelation of Jesus Think about it this way. There's, there's a, there's a trumpet player. Guy's name is Chris Bodie. Who, anybody here know about Chris Bodie? Okay. Way back, he, he played with Sting and I'd heard of him, heard he was a trumpet player, but I'm like, it's trumpet. Like, it's not my jam. Like, how good can it be? And, um, but then someone, uh, uh played a, a concert DVD of his. I'm like, this guy's amazing. This is incredible. And and then I bought a couple of his recordings and eventually Becky and I went to a concert of his a few a couple of years ago and like wow it was just it just got better and better, right? What happened? I got a revelation of his music and I became a fan because of that revelation. Well, in the same way, you don't need a physical encounter with Jesus, but you do need a revelation of Jesus. You need that that encounter through him, it might be through scripture, it might be through a dream or a vision, it could be through prayer, it could be through your time of worship, it could be just that moment of understanding. It could be in a conversation with a friend. But I would say if you're settled, if you're struggling with fear in your life, if you're feeling all that anxiety, I would say don't settle for a secondhand experience of Jesus. Don't settle for someone telling you about, don't settle for me you know, preaching about this, speaking to you about this, I would say ask God for a revelation of the living Jesus in your life. Make it personal for yourself. Third thing I would say about fear that we learned from this thing is to ask God to open your mind, your mind in Scripture. Right? Once the disciples had come to grips with the fact that, that Jesus is alive, that he's there, Jesus then put all the pieces together. For, verse 45 uh, says this, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It wasn't simply, then he opened the Bible and read to them. He, he opened their minds. He opened their ability to understand what was already written about him, what the truth already was. 
Why? Why is it important? What's the big deal about Scripture? Why are we always, why are we always on about the Bible? Well, it's because this, the, the, the Bible, the Scripture, God's, it, it, this book is God's word to us. It's authoritative for our lives, right? The Bible is not a nice book of platitudes and suggestions and, you know, hopeful things. It's not a book of ancient history. It's true from cover to cover. And because it's God's word, we submit to what Scripture says. We say it has authority over our lives. When the Bible says something, we say, well, we should do that because it's here. It's God's word to us. I would go so far as to say this. You're not a follower of Jesus if you make the Bible optional in your life. The Bible is not optional for Christians. For example, when a, when a church takes a stance that rejects some truth of Scripture, I would say that means they are no longer a Bible-believing church of Christ followers. Might be nice people, might be doing good things, might be interesting to be around, but they're, they've abandoned. It's kind of all or nothing, this book, because it's God's Word. God's Word is foundational for us. And what was the essential scriptural message that Jesus revealed to them? Well, there's three, there's three steps. You see in verse 46 to 48. Three steps in this message. One is that Jesus the Messiah suffered, he died, and he rose again. You need to know that. That's, that's foundational to what makes you a believer, that you understand and believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died, that he suffered, that he died, and that he was raised to life. Okay, the second thing that Jesus kind of opened their minds to understand is that the good news must be proclaimed to all nations. That was pretty mind-blowing. It's it's no longer like, hey, we've got the truth, let's keep it here. It's meant to go to all languages, all people groups, all nations. And the third piece that Jesus opened their minds to understand is this. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. This is the best news ever. Every person, I believe, at a core level knows that something has to be done to reconcile myself with the Almighty. Whether or not they've heard the name of Jesus, they know that something needs to be made right in here with something up there. And it's possible by faith in Jesus when we repent, when we turn from our ways of sin. We don't just kind of add Jesus, to weigh everything else I'm doing, we say, you know, I'm going to abandon that life of sin. I'm going to turn and follow Jesus. I'm going to repent, put my faith in him. That's the good news. There's forgiveness of sin. And I think they knew the Bible. I think they knew scripture. But Jesus opened their minds to understand, to comprehend the good news, that it's more than just law and history. God's word was for them and it's for us so that we could have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And God's word was for them and it's for us so they would have a missional purpose to make Jesus known throughout the world. Because that's what he says. You're going to receive power from a high and you will be my witnesses. So if you're a regular Bible reader, I think it's wonderful, but do understand it. And I would say ask God to give you an understanding, a comprehension of his word to open your mind to the truth of who he is and his purpose for your life. And we'll finish with this last one. It, it, I think this is the most helpful way to deal with this kind of fear is to know that Jesus 
is present to give you peace. See, when Jesus suddenly appeared in the room and his followers are all full of doubt and fear and unbelief, right? Jesus was not playing a trick on them. He didn't say, boo, gotcha, right? He, he, what are his first words? Did you see it in the text? Peace be with you. I can see some of you this morning. You're, you're longing for some peace in your life. You're grasping for, for, for that peace. And Jesus is here to speak peace to you today. Know that Jesus is present to give you peace. He's present to give you peace. That's the first purpose of his, of his showing up there. And he wants that for you. And I know some of you are facing really difficult times today. Life-altering decisions. Uh, you're, you're working through grief or a financial mountain that you're trying to climb or you're dealing with some workplace harassment or family conflict or there's something going on. Maybe it's even a job loss or something that's inducing fear and uncertainty in your life. And you're scared. You're terrified. And I want you to hear Jesus saying, peace be with you. I want you to welcome his presence into your life and just surrender all that stuff. Say, Jesus, I don't know what to do with all this fear and junk in my life. I need to hear your words. Peace. Peace be with you. I think Jesus wants to say, will you trust me even though it seems impossible right now? I'm going to invite Christy and Kurt just to prepare Leah's in a closing song. But last week, Becky and I, um, by the way, didn't you just love the last two guys that got to speak here the last couple Sundays? Um, such a blessing. But last week, Becky and I, we met a precious, precious young woman. She's a, a leader in her church, a church that, that get this, it's the only church in a city the size of Fresno. Imagine that you live in a city like Fresno and there's one option to go to church. And um, several years ago, she had married and moved to this new city for her husband's work. And uh, six months into her marriage, she met Jesus, gave her life to him. And coming from strong religious families, uh, that was uh, that was no bueno. And her family, they, they, you know, his he, her husband wanted no part of that. And he divorced her and and moved away, abandoning her in this new city with no family, no support network, nothing. What was this brand new believer supposed to do? Jesus was her only hope. And Jesus was and he is her peace. I can't show you her pic, her picture. I, I can't do that. But I, I can tell you she just beams with joy, just radiates the delight of the Lord. She'd love to be married and have a family. But for now, she serves and she disciples others who are also newly coming to faith and paying the price in that nation for that decision. She leads worship and and she's she's growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And she teaches others. You know, she could be angry that her decision to follow Jesus meant losing everything else that we would say is normal and expected and should have. But instead, she radiates joy. If you met her, that's the, that would be your first impression. Why? Why is that? How can somebody who's lost pretty much everything radiate joy? You've met those people. Somebody who's gone through a severe health crisis. I think about a guy I knew. He was, 
he, he'd been stricken with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and he, as he laid in his, in his wheelchair, he could not move a muscle except his eyes and his, his face. He could talk and he could move his eyelids and he hadn't lost feeling. He could feel a fly crawling on his arm, but he could never swat it away. He said, I'm so thankful this happened to me because I've grown so close to Jesus. His name was Dave. He died a couple years after that. How does that happen? They've encountered Jesus. They've saying, Jesus is greater than my fear. Jesus is greater than my anxiety. I'm going to worship him no matter what's going on. I'm going to trust him no matter what I've lost. Anything this world could offer is nothing compared to knowing Jesus. I think you might be facing some real fear today, some real challenges. And I'm inviting you to to recognize that those wheels of fear and doubt are at risk of driving you to unbelief. And I'm saying, don't go there. Don't go there. Reject that. I'm inviting you to ask God to reveal the living Jesus to you. No more, you know, going through the motions. No more empty religion. I want you to meet Jesus for real. I'm inviting you to ask God to open your mind to understand the truth of God's Word, the truth of Scripture, of who Jesus is and and the salvation that He offers you. And I'm inviting you to, to know, best of all, that Jesus is present right now to give you His peace. And whatever it is, Christy's going to sing this song for us. And if you know it, sing along. But she'll mostly just kind of sing it over you. And I just invite you to take whatever it is that's creating that turmoil in your life right now and just say, Jesus, I'm bringing this to you. And I want to receive your peace instead because Jesus is speaking to you. Peace be with you. For listening, know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.